0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, Pacers beat writer Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joins me in studio. Scott, I appreciate you joining me in studio. Certainly a lot to get into with the Indiana Pacers who have two of the top trade assets on the market in Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Miles Turner recently came back had a great performance against Chris Stapps and the wizards, where he had 27 points, 10 rebounds and five blocks. Uh, He looked well there. Uh, And he went on the Woj podcast, talked a little bit about hypothetically, if he was going to go to the Lakers and, and that scenario miles and I spoke at Barkley center before the game against uh, the second matchup against the Nets, in, in those consecutive games. We talked about that as well as his free agency future and potentially being part of a rebuild. And what I wanted to tell you was I I thought it was interesting that when the Pacers were in town for a few days and those consecutive games against the Nets in Brooklyn, before the first matchup, Pacers executives, Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, and Happy Walters spoke with Nets GM, Sean Marks. And what's been interesting to me about that is the Nets have lacked some front court help with TJ Warren being out, you know, him very well and Pacers fans uh, over the past couple of years, that's been an issue. And, and they're lacking true size at that position, even with Nick Claxton starting, Um, he's been a guy, and and I don't know how much, you know, you're in tune with Nets Twitter, but he's a guy that Nets fans have been kind of, keeping an eye on and, and for the nets, obviously at a time when they're trying to compete with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is, is a name that certainly is, is worth monitoring for them. Um, when you look at the comments that he had about the Lakers trade to hypothetical and as well as, you know, with my own interview and stuff with him where he talked about being part of a rebuild Where do you see Miles Turner's future right now?
1: Yeah, first of all, Michael, good to be on with you once again. Always love our our conversations and love the fact how Pacers and Nets had kind of that weekend series. I enjoy those personally. Um, But then to the off the court stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, First of all, how team executives were on this trip. Now, not all too surprising to me. First of all, early on in the season, right? College basketball season has not started yet. So it's not like you could say, Hey, how come the GM's not at the, this classic, or why isn't the team president at nearby going to practice? Well, right now teams are talking about college. They're trying to figure out what they're doing. So right now, the first month of the season is really good for executives to actually travel with the team, I think, and get a feel for what they did in the offseason and what things look like and how guys are matching and those teams that maybe had a change in the coaching staff. Certainly not the Pacers case, but you get the point there. And so um, when you mentioned Sean Marks, I thought first thing that came to my mind, quite honestly, Michael, was the fact that he he's known and, and came from the Spurs system. And so did Kevin Pritchard. He's close with some of those down in Spurs. So I could see them totally uh, just talking about basketball and life and catching up, but sure. Yeah. You're, if there is anything legitimate there, you're, you're going to wrinkle it in, in the conversation and maybe lay some groundwork if you're trying to uh, set something up. Not that I have heard of anything. And yeah, it did surprise me how you mentioned uh, what's going on in Nets Twitter. I was not aware of that. It's basically from the vantage point here in Indianapolis, it seems like it's all, we all know miles isn't going to finish the season in Indiana. It makes no sense whatsoever for the front office or for miles, Therefore, is he going to the Lakers or is it another team? That's basically what is being speculated and and discussed at length often here in Indiana.
0: Well, with Nets Twitter, I mean, they've uh, there are a lot of people that have eyes for Miles Turner in terms of the fans. Um, I've been in Nets spaces. I've been in Lakers spaces at times on Twitter. And um, it's interesting to hear, but he does fill a need because the Nets always talk about needing a big man that could shoot. Miles can do that. He could stretch the floor, and he's an interior presence that they are lacking right now. Uh, so, in that sense, it's a logical fit. Now, uh, you know the Nets obviously any team that trades for Miles Turner would have to give up some type of draft pick compensation uh, of a first round pick. I, uh, you know, whether that's protected or not, that can be haggled over. Um, in terms of the money, you know, you would have to look at a guy. I think if you're just trying to do something simple, probably a Joe Harris because of the contracts lining up similarly. Um, But again, this is a a theoretical thing at this point. Um, But, you know, it's interesting because you talked about the unlikelihood that Miles Turner finishes the season with the Pacers. It's kind of ironic to me because he is 26. um, And by the time he hits free agency, he'll be 27. He's still young enough where he could theoretically be a part of a rebuild and and be in his prime. But uh, what's interesting here are a couple of things. One, I think the Pacers showed their hand a little bit when they offered DeAndre in a max offer sheet. When it could have been, you know, Miles Turner was going into the season at that point as the starting five. This was going to be his opportunity with Demontis Sabonis gone. He he was finally going to be able to come back healthy. He expressed optimism and a strong desire to want to play with Tyrese Halliburton, who in his opinion is the best passing point guard and playmaker that he's played with in his career thus far at the position. Yeah. And there was there's a belief around the league looking ahead that Turner and his team will seek over $20 million annually in free agency as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, previously, there were rumblings about a potential Malcolm Brogdon type of extension, those type of numbers, which I want to say were two years, $45 million, if I'm correct, Scott, at one point.
1: Yeah, that sounds all right, right. They did a contract extension and, a couple and, of years and, in and added that to it, yep.
0: Yeah, and with that in mind, I mean, him. I think him... You know not looking to do an extension yet also speaks to going into the off season and saying, "Hey, and now by the way, I, I want to be clear, as far as those extension talks go um that had been previously not not anything recent. I just want to make that clear um, but my thought process is when you have those type of talks and not come to fruition and Indiana goes out and makes DeAndre an offer sheet, and Miles is going into unrestricted free agency this summer. As you touched on, it, it seems unlikely, but at the same time, this guy's been in more rumors than a than a, than a high school student in the hallway. <laughs> at, at a certain point, Scott, when is when does the needle get moved one way or the other here for Miles Turner? Uh, if he's going to be moved,
1: yeah. First of all, Michael, there is a lot here uh, f- for a guy that's played in the league eight years and so many dynamics going on. First of all, um, I don't think the DeAndre Ayton thing was kind of tipping their hand because the hand was already tipped. It, it was very likely, in my opinion, that he was going to be traded at that trade deadline, not Demonis Sabonis, but then he suffered that stress reaction in mid January, didn't play the rest of the year. And, you know, those first couple of weeks, they're still trying to figure out the severity of it. Is this something that's going to need surgery? It basically wipes away any thought of being able to trade him because not only the team wasn't exactly sure right away. And I think that's where maybe some good fortune in a different light happened for the Pacers. They didn't want to move on from Sabonis, but an an idea and and a deal opened up where you could get Tyrese Halliburton. And so they, they went for it. And uh, the other thing in all this is DeAndre Aiden's a different level, different talent, I think, in terms of the, the center position. And they were trying to take advantage of Phoenix's poor management. Like they are sitting there waiting and not giving DeAndre Aiden a guy like that, who ordinarily, generally would get a max contract extension going into a final year, not having to get to free, restricted free agency. The Pacers pivoted in the summer, said, let's go in, all in on. DeAndre Ayton, they met with him a couple of times. Um, they brought him here. They signed him, but obviously restricted free agent. Um, and by then, I, I think we all recognize, hey, look, also, what exactly does Miles want out of this? Remember, Miles has never reached the post, second round of the postseason. He hadn't reached the postseason with the Pacers in the last several years. So if you're Miles, for one, I think, yeah, ideally, you're getting 20 to $25 million annually. You're on a... A contending team. And then something that's reiterated, I think in several interviews, most recently being that podcast is he wants some notoriety, not just for his team, but also individually. That's something Michael that's really bothered him over the last three, four years is that yes, he's piling up the blocks. And while he, while he can stay on the, when he does stay on the court, I should say like last year, yes, he was good defensively, but was not on the court nearly enough when he does. He's not even in the conversation nationally about defensive player of the year or an all defensive team that really, really irks him to the point where one of his sponsors Mountain Dew is promoting him rather than the team. And that's something I think that he's really looking forward to. Ideally down the road is a situation where he's getting recognized for where he's contributing on the court.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that about Mountain Dew. I I appreciate that insight from you, Scott. And, 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 uh, to me i just think when you talk about how does he feel about it he de- i'm sure he felt a certain way when they made the offer sheet to aiton because he's going to be how could you not right yeah he's going to be looking
1: for situation he's going to be looking
0: for that, that money and that's what's going to be interesting you know some executives i've spoken to think that he can earn you know up to that 20 million dollars annually um some compare him a little bit in the Clint Capella range. Uh, you know, some maybe Jonas Valanciunas. Uh It's going to be interesting to see where he lands on that spectrum. Um, but in, in talking with Miles at, at Barclays Center, one of the things I thought was interesting was, and also with Rick Carlisle, I did get a chance to uh, sit courtside and, and chat with Rick Carlisle for a little Great. bit. And from the both of them, it seems that miles has done a good job of being a nurturing guy along with buddy Hill we will also get into on the podcast, um, of nurturing some of these young guys. And I, I, I think to me, that's what's interesting. He, he did express, um, that he has real estate in Indiana. He has a fan section in Indiana, as you well know. Um, He is a Pacer, and he does love being a Pacer. He loves that community. He is as active as any NBA player in his own community for his team. Um, I I guess where where I'm going with that is if Indiana was willing to pay up for him, I, I think they can keep him, but that's kind of the question where I'm at. You see more along the lines of, they're not going to do it. They're going to move him. I thought the the dynamic of his injury, as you touched on, there was a lot of noise. I certainly reported on it last year. They were looking for two first round picks for him. And then once he had the foot injury, that ended that. Um, and I think one of the reasons, by the way, they the only reason they moved him onto Sabonis was because Tyrese Halliburton became... Available to them, I don't think they were going to move him without a a, a marquee guy coming back like that. That's a really good rising All Star candidate. And if they weren't going to get that, it was going to have to be for a boatload of picks. Yeah, so, you're
1: exactly right. They weren't looking yeah. to offload him whatsoever.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, so you you're of the mindset that the that Miles Turner is. All but unlike all he's all but gone. He's not going to be a part of this rebuild in any, any way, most likely in your opinion.
1: I just don't see it from both sides. I think they would both benefit from a fresh start. We so many times we keep hearing miles talk about, um, I, I I've barely tapped into my potential. I have so much more to show. I'm a true five. I have so much more I can show. Pacer fans are waiting on that. That's the one thing. they're what are you waiting for? Is kind of what they're thinking is uh, the quote he said on the podcast. The league is yet to see what I'm capable of. Why is that? You're you're into year eight, right? Like, and, and, and admittedly, there was a couple things that did hold him back team wise the last three or four years playing alongside Demonte Sabonis, and they had a good relationship, but he, he wasn't able to do some things, and that's especially offensively. But I think what more people want to see is just consistent contributions from him day in, day out. So you don't have him go from being a hugely impactful player, having his best game in quite a while at Washington, and then being benched the second game in Brooklyn after just not finding it. While I admit though, too, that's just his third game in 10 months. So there's going to be growing pains, but I think it's one of those where if you're a team executive or even just a fan is okay, we hear you say you're, we haven't seen what you're capable of. Let's see it. And, and so I think if I'm a, a other team, that's what I would want to be seen here. Yes. He's young. We you know what he can do defensively. I think it's all the other things along with a consistency that I'd want to be showing if I were him.
0: It's interesting in, in that regard. Um, you know, one of the things he touched on with me too, was that, he thinks this is going to be his breakout year and then he has every opportunity because of that, because he's the main focal guy focal point in the front court. So yeah, the time is now and especially in a contract year, you would think um, if there was ever going to be a time to maximize his value going into free agency, this is it. Speaking of value, Buddy Heald is a guy that every time the Lakers lose, uh, three three names come up trending on NBA Twitter. It's Miles Turner, Buddy Hield, and Rob Palinka, probably in that order. Um, Scott, I mean, this guy's been off to a, a hot start for the Indiana Pacers thus far. Um, what's the latest you're hearing on Buddy Hield's availability on the trade market and what interest he is drawing? Obviously, you know he's been connected to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, like a magnet on a refrigerator. But is there any, but are there any other teams that are circling the wagon on, on buddy Heel to your knowledge at this point as well?
1: Yeah, Michael, I haven't heard anything anytime soon. And I think in large part, that's the, kind of the, how things go in the NBA. I don't expect anything to get done. Any deals really of significance in the next month, month and a half. I don't think, you really see much generally until late December, early January, when teams start pressing a little bit or realize what they do or don't have, maybe they're realizing this isn't a playoff team. And so let's sell off assets or vice versa. So I don't, I'm not expecting anything with buddy with miles or otherwise anytime soon. Another guy that's, should be in that conversation eventually will be Daniel Tice who hadn't played for the Pacers. And um, I think for, will probably, Pref- would, would, will probably finish the season elsewhere too, as he should. Uh, that's a whole different conversation, but with buddy, yeah, it, it's rather hilarious. Um, first of all, how anytime he has a great game or the Pacer or rather the Lakers don't, you know, each other are brought up in the conversation and that's just friendly banter and um, you know, continuous banter. I think we see on Twitter, but I'm glad you brought up buddy because he is having a really, really good start to the season. I think, and what he's been able to do, both shooting the ball and how he's helping orchestrate things. He's you talk about, especially on social media, you hear a lot about like he's a basketball player, but he's a Hooper. Like he's got an incredible house with multiple courts. This is the story I'm working on actually right now. Dude just loves the game, has to be kicked out of the gym, comes back late at nights. Um, Oftentimes the first guy out on the court or the last guy after practice, he was the guy that rang the bell most in training camp, which means after practice you hit at least 20 threes from uh, from five different spots on 25 attempts. The best shooter on the team by far. And what he's done here recently has been tremendous, averaging like five threes per game. And so, yeah, when you bring up the Lakers they've had games where they don't make seven as a team. And that's a relevant conversation because he fills a bad need for the Lakers. Absolutely. Um, He does have another year under contract. So you don't have to be in an immediate hurry to trade him. However, what you do have, Michael is a log jam in the backcourt from Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, who, by the way, had his best game of his career the second night in Brooklyn on Monday. Obviously Ben Matherin, who I'm sure we'll get into. Even Andrew Nemhart. Like the list goes on to the point where when you are prioritizing the young guys in the future, you you do think about Buddy. He's gonna be turning 30 next month. And it's again like Miles more likely than not that he finishes the season elsewhere. Um, And again, the Lakers is the most obvious destination. But to me, if I'm the Pacers, I'm holding firm. I'm not giving in, um, especially considering the Lakers, considering the tampering things that they did and were uh, fined for with Paul George. People don't remember that, but that was like five, six years ago. All that, maybe it's petty, but all that would stick out in my mind as as a small market team why would you want to help out a big market team like the Lakers who kind of get what they want more often than not? Right. Interesting perspective. And you're right.
0: The politics of the NBA comes into play there. I think that's a fair point at that. Um, You, you know, you did touch on a little bit that backcourt uh, being a little bit of a log jam. And uh, one guy that you don't have to really worry about in the middle of that log jam is is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, He's a guy that, on our NBA executives breakout poll just missed the number one spot behind Tyrese Maxey. Like we're talking a couple of points in the voting and I, he is done well with the keys. No question. We got a little glimpse of it last year. He's thrived now. Um, and talking with Rick Carlisle before, before the first game uh, I had asked him what he thought of, Tyrese Halliburton's potential and whether he can be an all-star or or what's his ceiling. And Carlisle replied, I believe Tyrese has a very high ceiling. I believe being a future all-star is definitely in the mix. He's got the kind of game that's fun to watch. You love the joy, the vibe and the skill. He's an artist. His shot is a little different. Uh, He's a very effective player and he's been very efficient. Um, I I certainly agree with Rick's assessment there. Um, you know, if Indiana can pick up the wins, I think this guy certainly has shown. Anytime you're a twenty and ten guy, whether it's points and rebounds for bigs or points and assists for a guard, you're going to be in that all star conversation. Um, when it comes to Tyrese, he's been given the keys to the offense, but what has been the vibe there, I would say, following the DeMontis-Sabonis trade? Because they had to give up a guy that was a multiple-time all-star for Indiana to get this young man uh, who's going to lead them into the future. What what has been the vibe post that DeMontis-Sabonis trade that netted them uh, Tyrese Halliburton?
1: Michael, let me tell you, the the eagerness and excitement for fans to watch this team I can't remember the last time maybe it's been this high, just because forget the outcome, which is something the front office and and coaching staff preface before the season. Like you very rarely hear a team say, Hey, you know what? It's not about the wins. We're not going to put a number on it. Basically their message is: We want to see growth. We want to see development, um, you know, week on out months on end here. And I think what you're seeing is this new group, Playing a fun brand of basketball, they're shooting more threes than they ever have three years ago under Nick McMillan. They were last in the league. Now, as I looked last night, they were top three in attempts. I think they were maybe top three in makes as well. Uh, Tyrese is sharing the ball incredibly well. That's his obviously his best asset, and I think he's the he's the, the best point guard this franchise has had true point guard meaning since jamal tensley and so you're going back nearly 20 years here and i think especially in a city in a state where basketball is king where you you really love to lock in on true basketball with the team aspect of it and sharing the ball and having fun with it tyrese is the epitome of what fans love here so while nobody wanted to necessarily see sabonis go and his huge contributions two-time all-star etc how he plays hard never misses games Tyrese has, has breathed, breathed some fresh air, some fresh oxygen into this franchise, I think, and has been, he's, just, he's in year three, right, in the NBA, but speaks like a veteran, acts like a veteran, and is leading uh, where he can while acknowledging, hey, look, I haven't experienced the playoffs. I rarely have played in big games. Um, the Pacers just played in their only national TV game of the season. I'm sure he had very few in Sacramento. So he's got a lot of newness all while trying to teach the young guys and become familiarized with Rick Carlisle and his system as well.
0: You know, anytime I talk with the Pacers, it seems like they have this sense that they have their backcourt of the future in Tyrese Halliburton and, and Benedict Matherin. I would co-sign that. I mean, Benedict Matherin has looked great to start the year uh, he and Paolo Bancaro certainly are among the early rookie of the year favorites. Um, you know, when you talk about six men of the year candidates early, several guys as well. Benedict Matherin is in that conversation. Christian Wood, uh, Selfless Plug, who I also interviewed uh, recently on Hoops Hype, talked about wanting to be an all star as well this season. If he can, coming off the bench, check that out as well. But, uh, you know, with Ben, you touched on it, Scott. There's a lot of excitement for Tyrese, for Ben. Uh, well, when it comes to Ben, what is the sense of his ceiling right now in Indiana at this point?
1: I think they view him as a potential franchise changing talent, whereas All-Star is absolutely in the conversation. What about all NBA? Those sorts of things. Now we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We're two weeks into the season, but that said, he's easily outperformed. I think all early expectations for what they had for him. Um, Just the the biggest thing, Michael, has been his ability to finish through contact. They knew he could shoot. They knew he could drive. He could get to the basket. Uh, There's been several games where he's attempted more than 10 free throws, Um, but just his ability against these bigger bodies. And he's just, what, 20 years old, how comfortable he is doing that. And then also how so far we haven't seen any moment get too big Um, and he's willingly playing his current role off the bench. And succeeding at that. So they are absolutely, understandably so, very high on, on Matherin and intrigued by the backcourt for years to come with, with Tyrese and with Ben, both being so young, multifaceted, and they can do so many things. Um, so th- another reason why I talk about fans loving this brand of basketball more so, thats those two are big reasons why.
0: Last guy I wanted to touch on with you before we wrap up. This Pacers pod is, is Jalen Smith, a guy who has gotten a larger opportunity with Indiana after coming over for from Phoenix uh, last season. And in talking with Rick Carlisle, again, before the first of the two matchups, uh, he spoke well of him. And he mentioned a couple things. He mentioned that Jalen Smith decided to stay with the Pacers. There were other offers out there that were more lucrative financially, and and we knew we've heard those rumblings, uh, you and I, and it's it's been out there a little bit. But he talked about feeling the love from the fans and uh, the coaching and staff and management, um, and that he's a guy that he thinks can still shoot the ball, but uh, defensively he's got a high ceiling with what he can do defending the perimeter, and 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 they know that he can guard the rim and blocks. Carlisle called him. Quote an important part of our future as well, um, Scott. When you look at Jalen Smith, I'm curious. Do you know specifically which teams did offer him more money? Because I feel like that's kind of been kept a secret for a while, and I I always love to know the answer to that question. <laughs> I have because I haven't been able yeah. to find it yet, and and I would be curious. Um, I think next time, I honestly, if I see Jalen Smith, I like to ask him the question personally. Um, but I was curious that and. Uh, what is the, the vibe in Indiana on him and his potential long-term?
1: Yeah, you're right. They've really kept that under wraps. The interesting thing, the most interesting thing to me was how they originally agreed, Michael, on a two-year deal, but then it became a three-year deal uh, with a player option and a trade kicker in that year three. So the the thing where that makes this so interesting because so many of us I think all understood that it was highly unlikely for Jalen to return, and the Pacers, not just the front office, not just Rick, but the organization, all had an impact and played a role in Henry signing here. Um, number one being let's let's state the obvious: the Pacers promised him a starting spot, whereas he did, had an outside role with the Phoenix Suns and. You know w- wasn't really appreciated that sort of thing kind of like they were hoping deandre Ayton felt and why they went after him smith kind of felt that and so he came here to a situation where he, where he was prioritized where the head coach rick carlisle flew out to maryland and met with him sat down f- and for dinner with his parents they're of a military background where the thought you 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 find the best situation for you you don't sacrifice right just for maybe a short term gain here and so he's playing the long game he's playing and committed to a franchise that committed to him and so the pacers pulled off an incredible haul of being able to re-sign him and at the the value they were limited to because the phoenix suns did not pick up his option of his rookie scale contract. So um, I thought that was really interesting what they were able to do and commit to him. It does provide a little bit of an awkward dynamic to go back, Michael, to our start of our conversation with miles because he was, he's now no longer playing with Sabonis, but Jalen's more of a true five than than he is a four. So it does add that element. I think that it's probably a little bit frustrating for miles, uh, although Jalen much more versatile, uh, we saw him over the weekend defend Kevin Durant along the perimeter uh, and play that four spot. Um, but that said, Jalen's still very young. He's making many mistakes, but he's another guy that could be the focal point. And another guy we probably haven't mentioned or won't is Isaiah Jackson, who's been really good. And that's another reason you, you look at the Pacers' at log jam at the front, uh, in the backcourt rather. They also have it in the front court with Isaiah Jackson with Jalen Smith, with Miles, even Goga Batase, who's in the final deal, year of his rookie deal, where they're going to have to figure out some things, perhaps with him as well, where they're only where their weekend is out on the wing, on the perimeter. Otherwise, they're set at guard and they're set at center.
0: Excellent points on that. I, I think for Jalen, you know, Carlisle talked about him being a four right now instead of a five. I know most people think that he is a five, but... We're going to see if he can end up playing <laughs> some four at that. Right, um, That's the
1: position he said he's played all his life until joining the Pacers, really. Um, now he's trying to figure it out. So, Michael, that was what his offseason and training camp was about, was learning the four and learning where he needs to be and guarding more out on the perimeter.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how he develops there. Uh, it's also going to be interesting to see how the trade rumors swirl around Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice, as well as another guy. I expect to hear his name pop up as well. I think you, you mentioned him as well earlier in the pod. Um, and I'm looking forward to keeping tabs on that, but also your coverage of the Pacers at the field house Files. Um, brother, I know this probably better than others because when we work together at The Athletic, I know you do good work. I encourage people to subscribe to your Substack platform. Uh, you will get inside and in-depth analysis and breaking news as well on the pacers and i appreciate you coming on with me to to chop it up as always on indiana and uh always enjoy talking about life in general with you as well brother thanks for coming on
1: yeah man i appreciate the invite and uh keep up the great work as well as hoop type likewise my man we'll
0: talk soon i also want to thank everyone else for tuning in if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Scott, too. He's at Scott Agnes. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.